Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we're building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton, and I'll show you how to embrace your child and your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter, and I will help you identify and overcome obstacles that can get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships. And I help you realize the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons that we've learned from our own lives, the experiences from hundreds of families that we have worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. We are so thrilled to be with you. It's Allison and I. Hello. Hello. We're we have so excited. special guests. Yes, like two handsome men on the podcast. With Absolutely. Us. Two. We're ha- we've actually been talking for an hour and a half. We have the most amazing stories, some of which we didn't record, but we're going to try and loop them in. This is going to be the most interesting podcast we've done yet. I am sorry you have not been with us since an hour and a half, but we will... Right. We will bring you the essence of our beautiful conversation because it, these two men, you want to know. Yeah. So I'll tell you what happened. I, um, I live in Salt Lake. I was reading the Salt Lake Tribune. I don't necessarily always read the sports pages, but um, there was an article about it. It's Gordon Monson, who's a sports writer for the Tribune, um, a former BYU athlete who is gay, finds peace at last. So, of course, I'm interested and I started to read. Um, this beautiful story by Gordon Monson, um, that's October 22nd, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. And it tells this story about Wyatt Warnock, who grew up in Delta, Utah, and um, has was a collegiate athlete, a javelin, baseball. I, I know I'm missing some things, but there are a lot of different sports at BYU. I went to javelin in college, but uh, yeah, I played football, basketball, baseball, uh, high school, started varsity in them and um, got scholarships to throw javelin college and kind of just went that path with it. Total All-American, Wyatt. Like, were you All-American? No, (laughs) I I missed it by about two meters. So Uh, bringing up sore spots, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And Wyatt, you've been a... You've been a, uh, you worked with the Phillies. I didn't work for the Phillies. No, I was coaching at a school in Philadelphia. Yeah. And so I've, I coached track and field at a university, Sacred Heart University now. I was previously coaching at Southern Virginia University. Um, Which is like the the unofficial BYU of the the coast, right? Yeah. Okay. We're also joined by Mike Babbitt, who is a my a music producer. He does dance music, cheer music. So for all you cheer moms, you might know Mike. Yeah. He lives in D.C. Both of you are LDS men and both gay and you're dating. Yes. Mike, you graduated high school in, you said, 1984. Went to uh, BYU for about a year and a half, then left on my mission, and then came back and finished up BYU. Graduated in 1990. So you're both BYU graduates. What did you graduate in? I graduated in music composition, theory and composition. And uh, I, we, I did pick up that you play the organ. Well, yeah, I play the piano. The organ I got you know, involved in at church because I played the piano at such a young age and you know they're like oh we need somebody to play the hymns and so I'd go up there and get on the organ and you know over the years I just kind of became my thing that's a dying art like I'm yeah. running out of organ players <laughs> yeah I might touch the pedals when I started you know they just dangle there but I loved it I love playing the prelude music and then all the hymns and I got I don't know I really loved that part Love it. Uh, like I said, okay. we're, if that's a dying art, like we're running out organ players. Yeah, totally. So, and why you graduated high school in? 2009. Okay. 2009. And Wyatt, uh, I think Wyatt, you, you came out about three years ago. Um, gradually. I mean, I've come out to family and friends over the course of like the last five, six years, mm-hmm. uh, just, just barely came out a lot bigger on a little more public scale. So. Right. On, in the Salt Lake, which is, by the way, 
really bright. It's a beautiful article. Gordon Monson has done two really beautiful articles about our LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and the impact that they have felt um, growing up in the Mormon church as gay individuals. And, And I love this spin on it that he pulls the sports into it as well. Um, it's not typical, or at least in my lifetime, it wasn't in my young life. It wasn't typical for gay men to be um, to come out in sports. Right? This is a relatively new thing, Wyatt, isn't it? Yeah, it's happening more and more. Um, I was actually just in an article called Out Sports as well, um, and they use the Salt Lake Tribune article, um, and their kind of slogan, I guess, is "Courage is contagious." Yeah, and so really, I mean, it's just there's there's athletes coming out all over the place. And I think the world needs more of it. So yeah, but you, it's a phenomenon in the last couple of years Yeah, that people feel like they could be openly um, LGBTQ in sports. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Were you surprised? Um, like kind of the feedback from the article, like what, what feedback did you get? It's been great. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, moms reach out and say they have gay kids. Um, I've had some people close to me that, felt like they could come out to me. Uh, I've had some people that are struggling with their sexuality or coming to terms with it. They've reached out. Um, and also just kind of the love I felt has been amazing. I mean, people have reached out that I never would have expected. Um, people I haven't seen in years or just, it, it's been really an outpouring of love. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, I it is a beautifully too. written vulnerable article that you really lay your heart on. And so I'm so glad that people have honored that because you should be honored for how vulnerable and honest. It was scary. I mean, I was, I, when we were doing the little full interview, I think I was shaking a little bit, but as we got going into it, um, I just felt like it's something that could help someone somewhere. And uh, it's worth it to me. So. Mm, well, when I read it, I thought I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> and I, so I just reached out. I like followed you and reached out and, I said, do you, are you okay to do this? And he's like, yeah, that's why I came out. So I love that idea. Like you, you knew what you were doing coming out and that where this would place you as a, you know, as a BYU athlete and uh, kind of, you have that hero status and and you knew where it would put you. And I think that's remarkable that you chose to do that. Cause it's, this is, this can't be easy. Now, and why you don't know this, but um, on that day we were that it came out, we we um, actually taped the, this podcast for our declaration. We've made some of these declarations about divinity, about um, the LGBTQ saints, and it's all about shame and what we do with our LGBTQ saints when we take away their divinity and replace it with shame. And Allison and I were going back and forth because it's a little bit of a controversial statement, but we have felt so um, just like the statement needs to come out. Right. And it was, it, it really is just this beautiful statement. And that art, your article came out that same morning and she sent it to me and she's like, this is the second witness. Like, this is the Lord saying, like, we need to work on this, how, what we're doing with these amazing kids, the shame that we um, give them is not appropriate. And I just, yeah. I felt the spirit so strongly when I read that article that we were all kind of getting the same inspiration. You willingness to be out there and tell your story. Mm-hmm. Right. And to be that vulnerable. And I just thank you for, for being in the arena with us. Yeah. Your, why your story of shame and hiding who you were is it's palpable. The the shame that you felt and how you tried to run away from it and like ignore it. It's, it's, it's hard to read. Um, It's beautiful. And it's got, uh, you know, there's just, there's a lot of beauty in it, but it's hard to read that, that shame, how you talk a little bit about when it kind of came to a head for you at the beginning of the article, actually, it, uh, about a really dark night. Yeah. I mean, I just, essentially, I just was ready to be done. Um, I didn't really have a direction of what I wanted to do with my life. I felt I just didn't love myself. I, I, mean, I think in that point, you do a lot of self-sabotaging. Um, there's a lot of self-loathing. And it's just, for me, it, I mean, at that moment, and it just felt, I mean, you look for a way out and they're like, oh, this is a possibility. And so 
Um, luckily, I mean, I'm here and uh, I've had a lot of positive role models in my life and especially meeting Mike has really helped me come a long way to the point where I was able to do this. I mean, without Mike uh, and him really understanding my background and being supportive of me doing it, I, I never could have million years let that article go public. So Right. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine when in your days in Delta, Utah, like thinking that you would be here in not that, you know, not that long a time. Here you are, yeah. like helping others lifting up others and and I think helping other parents understand their gay children their gay sons who they think well oh no because he's an athlete he's not gay I think that's what my parents thought and it just it really caught them off guard and um they've they've come a long way since then but they just really didn't know how to handle it and so in hindsight I I think that's something I I really want to come from this is I mean but if you do have a gay son that's the quarterback football team, he comes out to you. Um, maybe this could help them maybe think through it a little differently or be a little more prepared for it or just be a little more open-minded about it. Isn't that like <clears throat> one of the interesting things is Mike here is that I wonder like as a, an LDS parent, you know, these aren't things that you, I don't know, maybe you prepare for. And so when they happen, how do you know what to do? Like, where are the resources? How do you, you, you're not really taught how to deal with it. And so you do your best. And oftentimes that best is, um, it is not that great in this circumstance and maybe other ones as well. But I wonder like, where do LDS parents find this kind of direction and strength and understanding? I mean, yes, there's being a parent and loving and kind, but in the moment, you know, when your kid comes out, especially if you don't suspect it or if it's, you know, surprising you, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it makes me feel like I want there to be resources for parents yeah. so they know what to do. our whole mission, Mike. <laughs> this is the yeah. whole reason we have okay, Which is, is it's <laughs> absolutely true. I mean, Mike, you, um, you and I are about the same age and even when I was a kid, my parents, although they'd had a, they know their child had been gay for a long time, had no other uh, part, like nobody to go to, right. no one that could understand, no sympathetic ear, you, you know, yeah. I mean, there's no guidance. Nothing, and really and yeah. even to today, we have parents who don't know where to reach out to and don't, they think that, one of the most common feelings is that people feel alone, both LGBTQ individuals and parents like I'm alone in this when you're not. You're not. Well, you know, my parent, my mother in particular, um, you know, once word got out that she had a gay son, she lost friends over that. Um, people mm. that didn't, didn't want to be associated with her, whether it was the appearance of evil or looking like they were. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Okay with it. And that is so sad. That is like one of the so saddest awesome. things to me. Like, that's the thing. That's when you step up as a friend, not step out, you know, for some reason in, you know, they feel, I don't know that like, they don't want to be associated with somebody who has a son who's gay or a daughter who's lesbian or whatever the case may be. And, Oh, I wish that could change. I wish that people could not be so afraid of that. And it is changing. It's fair. Yeah. And it's fear. It's fear. And, but we, I think we are talking about it more openly. Like I know, when my son came out nine years ago, um, you know, I, I never felt like I lost friends. I felt like they didn't understand me or really what I was going mm. through, but I felt like the tone, I mean, our community has a long way to come. We know that, but I felt like the tone was always like interesting and like, Hmm, sad for you. I mean, just support as supportive as they can be. Yeah. Yes. But, but not knowing really what to say. No. Yeah. Not knowing what to say. Right. Not no. I mean, still today we have people who just, you know, what do you say? How do I support? You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's what, why that's what your story does. Is it, um, so I, we, we do a, a weekly story of a family and the best part of it is when you hear the story of an LGBTQ individual or family, it's, it's, um, you don't feel defensive 
you, you, you hear the story for the person in the story. You mm. listen to the story that way, yeah. rather than someone saying, well, you should believe this about gay yeah. people, or you should believe, you know, this is what, you know, whatever that is, that, that brings up defensive feelings. But reading the story of, of you as an athlete, as someone who loves sports, someone who, you know, tried so hard to pray it away, to outrun it, or, you know, however, and to feel the pain that, that finally came to you and that, that almost destroyed you. Like I, people can read that story without feeling defensive, but they can read it like sympathetic and with love towards you. And that's where that bravery comes in is you've allowed people and people who follow sports. So we're talking about mostly men, right? Not totally, but mostly men. And, um, it's an, it's a new, that's what's so cool about what Gordon Monson's done is that it, it's a new avenue for men to hear the story in ways that are relatable to them. I mean, it's one thing for moms and it's a totally different thing for dads. We have a lot of moms and dads that aren't on the same page with this, right, Jenny? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And they can't even, they can't even understand each other. And, and uh, we talked about Mike, your parents were a little that way as well, right? Yes. You're, you know, yeah. your mom had more of an kind of an intuition that this might an be an intuition, but she was, you know, not in a position to be able to face it, but she did have an intuition at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And your dad wasn't able to think about it at all. Not at all. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's so interesting about Wyatt, where Wyatt's coming from and the story is that it reminds me, and I think it should maybe help remind other people too that you know being gay really uh, there's a full spectrum of um types of gay people it's not you know there's not just one or two types there they go there's a full spectrum and so you know as disorienting as it might seem that why it is gay it's really not surprising and it shouldn't be surprising to us and as parents maybe uh just you know, not slipping into thinking that, oh, a gay person looks like this or acts like that well, might help you be more open and be, you know, might, it's helpful not to, to pigeonhole and think like, oh, a gay person is like this. So my child is not like that. Therefore, they're not gay. I'll write it off. But I think with Wyatt, you know, it really opens, uh, broadens the spectrum by coming out. It helps people go, oh, there are football players that are gay, hockey players, all oh, these sports. Masculine men can be gay. You don't necessarily have to be feminine. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's a, that's an interesting part of his story. And I've actually been wanting to ask Wyatt this question. Um, it back to the parents. And what do you say, you know, what, what a parents like? They're not given any tools. So I'm curious from Wyatt, like if if you could tell your ask your mom or your dad, like if you could give them advice on what they could have said to you along the way, um, what would that be? What, what is that message? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is to react out of love. Uh, I mean, I think of my experience with one of my sisters, who's one of my closest allies right now. Um, I definitely know she's always on team Wyatt, but when I first started talking to her, it completely caught her off guard. Uh, she had no idea. Um, she, I was at BYU and uh, she came and got me out of school one day and was like, why are you distancing yourself from our family? Like, what's going on? Are you on drugs? No, I'm not on drugs. Well, what, what's going on? What's happening? Um, and I just said, I'm gay. And she was like, what? Like, oh, that's never crossed my mind. And so she, I mean, she just kind of, I mean, I think she kind of represents how I would have liked to have been, I mean, originally by my parents and I mean, I, they did the best they could and they're, um, they've come a long way, like I said, but, um, she just listened and, uh, she ended up inviting me back to Delta. She was in Delta and I left BYU that night and drove down and we just talked for two or three hours and she just listened to me. Um, she listened to all the pain, all the hurt, all the questions I had. And it wasn't forcing it. Well, you just need to pray harder or you need to do this. Or if you go to church, like you'll get the answers. And it wasn't telling me what was going to work for me. It was hearing me and making sure I felt like 
she really wanted to understand. And then at the end of it, she just said, well, honestly, why I, this is all new to me because I, I thought I had what I believed and what I knew about it, but it's never been my brother before. And so you, you just have to give me time to kind of learn about this and fast forward, I guess it's been five or six years and she, she's amazing. She's come so far and um, I, I know she loves me. She's an active member of the church and uh, and I, I love that. I love that she raises her kids in the church and I love her family and I love all my sisters and all their families and I love my parents, but she, she really, um, has shown me how you can be a very good active member and also love your gay sibling. For sure. I love that. I, I, so one of the things I wish we would have kept all of the information that we talked about before, but there's a really good thread uh, with Wyatt and Mike about um, grace. Wyatt, both Wyatt and Mike show a, a tremendous amount of grace to their family and the learning process that their family has to go through and knowing that there's no way to go from zero to 60 on this one as a parent, a sibling, uh, you know, and I know a little bit it's hindsight, but um, Mike talked about this. I don't know if we can, how to have you share this again, but Mike was, will you talk about like your mom's past and which always gives us a lot of reflection about our time for parents and, and, you know, our experiences, but you shared something about your mom and just feelings about her that you had and, and her her experience in this. Yes. Share that with well, us again. Yeah, sure. I, if I can, I'm not sure exactly what the story you're referring to, but I, I mean, yeah, I, no, I love that. So you you were talking about how, like, what it must have been like for your mom. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, my mom. I mean, my mom is an incredible woman. Just imagine the most salt of the earth Mormon woman you can imagine. That's my mother. Just amazing and you know growing up i wanted to please her i wanted her to be proud of me i wanted to give her honor and glory it was the bottom line i was very interested in that and i it was important to me and and um i loved her i still love her very much i love her more now than i ever have now she's since passed but um she um you know when i was contemplating coming out to my parents Probably the biggest thing I had to consider, the biggest thing I was considering was like, I knew it was going to put them in a position, a a painful, a painful situation, a situation where they'd have to, on some level, um, deal with the information. And I almost decided not to come out because the burden it puts on the parents when they find out this information is so massive. They didn't ask for it. They weren't ready for it. They didn't know anything about it. And all of a sudden, here's this information delivered to them and they have to do something with it. And that, I don't know, I just, it scared me. I didn't, my mother is, I wouldn't say fragile, but sensitive. And I didn't want to hurt her at the end of the day. And I, I want, I've always always doing the opposite. You know, I wanted to make her proud and I did a lot of things growing up to specifically do that. So, it, you know, fine, when I did decide to come out, I knew that it would be hard for my mother and my father. And so before I did it, I really thought about that. And it was hard. It was really hard for both of them. And that, that gave me a lot of pain. And I, you know, even though I have my own kind of pain about being gay, I just felt so much, um, I was really sensitive to what they were going through and to the point where I accepted whatever the outcome would be. And I wanted to be helpful, but I knew that I I couldn't be like, they would have to go on whatever journey it was going to be for them. And I felt like it was really important for me to be okay with whatever that whatever that journey is. Um, and so I- let's put it in context for the listeners. Cause uh, Mike, you were 28 at the time. So it is a little bit different from than coming out as a teenager, right? Like, like you were on your own living on your own, but like, I know all the moms listening to this is thinking the amount of grace that Mike, how he's considering his parents' feelings and 
you must have been, I mean, we know when you come out to somebody, it's the most scary thing ever. And for you to be so conscious of how they're thinking just tells you what a beautiful heart you have. Well, I, I have to honestly say my parents are, are responsible for that. I mean, there's some DNA there, but my <laughs> parents definitely um, groomed that and me and, and both my sisters. Um, and I, I, it's a great gift that I will thank them for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's helped me a lot. It's helped me, I think, not be uh, bitter, not to hold um, grudges, not to blow things out of proportion. Um, it's like they, they gave me the tools that I think they ended up using themselves. I think they taught them, but maybe hadn't really needed to use them just yet. Well, and, and just, I think my favorite part of your story, and this is what actually I tell parents all the time. It's never too late to say you're sorry. They're sorry because they didn't handle it well when you came out, it took them two years to heal. And then in two years when they came to you, I love say what they said to you in those two years. Yeah. So two years later, um, you know, after pretty much uh, complete silence, I got a phone call from my dad out of the blue that uh, he and my mother wanted to meet with me. And I agreed instantly because at the end of the day, I wanted to be connected with my family at any cost. Um, But, you know, it it takes two to tangle, right? So I was ready. They weren't. And I didn't know if they ever would be, but I got the phone call and we met up and my parents, um, the words of their mouth were, can we hit the reset button on this conversation with you? So many parents want to do it. Can we just reset? I wasn't like, I want to act like, and when they said that, what was your thought? Instantly. Absolutely. Of course. I would love nothing more. Yes. And, um, uh, and they said, you know, we want to be in your life and we don't want this to be complicated. And I said, I want the exact same thing. And I said, you're my parents, (laughs) you know, I love you. I want to be in your life. So let's do it. And they said, great, let's do it. They said, we might not know exactly what to do, but we want to be in your life. And I said, "Uh, yes. I said, but I'm curious what made, why are you talking to me now? And versus a year ago, or I don't know what, what changed. And they told me that they had been sought the counsel of their bishop many times about what to do. And the bishop um, told them that he thought they should see a therapist. And so my parents found an LDS therapist and um, went to see that person. And when the therapist found out why they were seeing him, why they came in to see him, um, he said, I have great news for you. Um, all you need to do is love your child. You don't have, this isn't your issue to deal with. Uh, your issue, your job as a parent is to love your son, love your family, keep your family together, enrich your family, spend time and resources on your family, but keep it together and love them. And, uh, that was 30 years, 40 or 30 years ago, right? Right. I wish I knew that person. I really do. I've thought so many times of tracking them down because I mean, and I got to say, I mean, as a side note, I believe I would, I'd be handing his name out to everybody. <laughs> but I got to say, I think, and Wyatt, I, Wyatt and I have talked about this, Wyatt and I both believe, and we both have firsthand experience that there are LDS people, active LDS people in the church that they get it. They got the message. They know, they understand it. They're not making a big deal about it. Somehow they've got, they've, they've got the knowledge and understanding of how to focus on the love side of it, loving people and not getting crazy about the details. I mean, and I just love that the therapist said, Hey, the details of his life are his life. This is his journey. This is his thing to deal with. You don't need to get involved in that's not your, you don't need to decide this or that or concern yourself with other other than loving your son. Please put your resources and energy into love. And it, it clicked with my parents. They needed it, it. It was the right message at the right time. They got it. I think they were really wrapped up in, oh, what do we do? Why did, why did this happen? What did we, did we cause this? Why? Oh, the, all that, those that questions. old idea that the, the absent yeah. father and the parents don't wrestle with that today. They do. And, they do. and what that therapist did was give, gave your, gave that he put your family back together. I mean, yeah. 
we're in the family again, right? Like it was. And it wasn't even one full session. It was literally, they told me it was 10 or 15 minutes. It clicked and he didn't even charge them. Oh. Like be on your way, be happy. And part of that message for me that really I'm so grateful for is that this is a complicated issue. These are complicated issues in all of our lives, but, and, and we need to deal with them. But we also, I think it's really important to not get too, uh, not again the habit of hashing and hashing and hashing and hashing right. uh, because that that is also a place that can get you stuck and get people really stuck and um so it's a matter of focus i think a compassion yeah, yeah. Love. and he basically said stay in your lane and that's kind yeah, of stay in your lane. Like right. it's it's your cuz I, I say all the time it's your business and god's business and their business like right and yeah. he was like this is between mike and god that is not your business your business is loving mike it just right. it's perfectly stated it's so, so great i'm so grateful for that person i really am i i hope they know somehow <laughs> i know wouldn't it be lovely if they heard this podcast and they told us our name and we could tell <laughs> right so my parents were in uh, living in Wyoming at the time, but they saw a therapist in in Utah. Now, you know, going to Utah for an outside Mormon person, it was like a stretch for my parents because, you know, yeah. it's Utah. <laughs> but, it, you know, whoever it was, yeah, the big city, it it clicked for them. They got, it just worked. And, <clears throat> and, you know, here we are. My mother's uh, passed away four years ago, but my dad is still alive. He's 81. And I... It, my dad is unrecognizable. That said, he is like the most active member of the church, temple worker, been on this mission, done all of that stuff, kind of stand-up guy. But he figured it out. He like got the message and he doesn't concern himself with it. He concerns himself with staying connected to me. Mm, and I do the same, you know? And I 100% support him in his pursuit and lifestyle with the church. I mean, it's so important to him. And I honor that. It might not be perfect for me, but it's perfect for him. And I honor that in his life. And he honors my life. And we just don't get too crazy about what those details are oh. for either one of us. So good. Such so, why, yeah. so it's perfect. What, yeah. what did 15, when did oh. you know? When did you kind of have a feeling? When did you know that you were probably gay? I can remember as early as like four or five years old, like feeling some sort of attraction okay. um, and my vivid memories, like wow. the ones that I don't really question. Like I, I knew I was drawn to men. Yeah. Uh, right. We, we sent out a little poll. Like when was your first crush? Like most people said kindergarten. Yeah. I, I remember. That. And we don't think about being like attracted to somebody back then, but that's what most people, that was. I mean, my dad was a high school basketball coach. And I remember, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, when you have high school basketball players and I'm at basketball practice every day, I mean, it's inevitable that I was you know, right. going to find that attraction pretty soon. So. Right. Right. That's it's very typical, very typical. So what did you need as a, let's say, Teen, like an early teen because that's kind of where it starts the rubber hits the road right yeah on that what did i need you know as a in a small town in utah um what what could you what could you have used well really back then i mean it was still viewed as this is a choice um mm -hmm. and so really that, that's i started really developing self-hatred like um why is this like why can't i get rid of this if it's a choice i mean why am I stuck with it? And why do I keep doing this? And I think I, in a sense, start my double life then because, I mean, I was doing everything I was supposed to in the church, but then there was this part of me that was like, but I have to explore it. I don't know why, but it's there. I wish I would have just really understood myself more and thought that it would be okay. I mean, in rural Utah, it wasn't a super welcoming place to be a gay person in general, let alone. Yeah. Um, and it's well, your dad's the basketball coach. Yeah, I mean, I've actually been very pleasantly surprised. I mean, since I came out on like social media and stuff, so many of my Delta friends have been amazing. Um, and I, I really didn't expect it. I, I, it's sad that I say that, but um, they really surprised me. I mean, there's been Delta people showing support all over. But what I wish I could have done then is just maybe been able to talk about it and not have to keep it in because I really. 
I started holding everything in and that's even something I have to work through now is I just keep things to myself and I don't, I, um, I have a hard time, I guess, not necessarily, I don't want to say trusting other people, but I just, I became very private and just kind of things that were in my head. I kept to myself because I didn't want other people to know, or I was afraid to, I guess, in that sense. Um, so going back, what do I wish I could have been, I mean, or had back then is I just really an understanding of myself and understanding that I wasn't sick. I wasn't bad. I wasn't a terrible person. I was actually a really good kid. I mean, but I just, I had trained my thought to think I was just, um, I don't want to say evil, but I was just kind of less than like, I was disappointing God. I was disappointing my family. Like, um, and what a weight for a 15, 14, yeah. 17 year old, like what a weight to bear. Like, how can you possibly bear that much weight on your heart? Heavenly Father never wants you to feel that way. That's just not how it should mm-hmm. be. I agree. And I, I think, especially now, I mean, I feel God more in my life now than I feel like I have ever had, except for probably on my mission. Um, and really, I had to come to the realization that god's not an angry god i think i was really taught in primary like hear all the stories of the old testament i mean former stories yeah i always thought of god as like a um kind of a god of wrath almost rather than a god of love but then i really came to terms probably when i was in college and the years since that he actually is um he thinks i'm a pretty cool dude like he was obviously um, <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason he loves me. But, um, I really had to come to terms mm-hmm. that God's not an angry God full of wrath. He, he loves all of his children. Mm. I'm so glad you came to those terms. I mean, was that after mission or when did that come? Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I mean, I would teach that God loved all his children and I believed it, but I didn't really believe that he loved me mm-hmm. because why would I have this if you did? Um, and I think it's been the years since that I've really, I mean, now I'll say a prayer and I'll feel guidance on something. I might get. He's very aware of what's going on in my life. Uh, you know, what you say there, Wyatt, this idea that um, you felt disconnected from God. Um, I think that is so important for people to understand who don't have a gay child or are not LGBTQ or don't have a trans child. Like, unfortunately, the way we have this sort of set up that you're really, you know, that if you are LGBTQ or whatever, you're far away from God. We have this kind of idea that that's what it is. Um, we We separate people from God. And I don't think we no nobody means to, but it's sort of like a by default it happens. Like, oh, I can't because this thing is not sanctioned. I can't be close to God. I can't be sanctified in Him. I can't be glorified by God because of this thing. And I think that that is. I think everyone would say, oh no, I don't do that. But that that is kind of the the end result of. God wouldn't do this kind of idea or God can't love me. And mm-hmm. as it turns out, like you said, like once you allowed God back in, cause when we, when we, when you feel like that, God couldn't love me, you're, you can't love him back. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't really love yourself right? either. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, I think in uh, for gay men, it's really hard to learn to love yourself. It, it's taken me a long right? time because I mean, first of all, you're filled with that self-hatred mm-hmm. and self-loathing yep. and uh, shame from growing up. But then after it's all over, then you, you kind of have to figure out your own plan. Because before I had my plan in the church, I was going to go to the temple, get married, go on a mission. But then you're gay and it's like, well, everything I had ever believed, uh, it, it's also that I have to figure out my purpose all over again. Um, why am I on earth? Like, what is God's plan for me? Because church told me that it was this way, but there's just not a place for where I fit in that. Um, and so you just, you have to kind of restructure. And for me, I, I think I really started to turn to God and ask him, like, what is your plan for me? Like, what am I doing here? I mean, 
I don't want to be celibate and lonely my whole life. Um, and I, I felt inspired to start dating men. And I felt, uh, I think really when I met Mike, I, I felt that too, that it was, I mean, I felt God leading me in places. So, okay. I want to like punctuate this. In the beginning, you were, what were you asking the Lord? What were you asking God when you were like kind of struggling through this? Oh, uh, why did you do this to me? It was really probably the biggest question I had. Like, I was like, why did you, I felt like I was set up for failure, I guess. Oh, yeah. And then you came to it and then the questions changed, right? Yeah, Your questions to God changed. I mean, I mean, I really think I felt, I mean, I felt like I, over time, um, began to feel his love. And I, I guess I really actually, I would tell myself this all the time, but I don't know if I really believed it. But then I started really actually believing that God loves me the way I am. And he made me this way for a purpose. And and once I really started believing that, it changed the way I thought about myself. Yeah, you found your divinity again. And, yeah. Mm. And you were asking him really productive questions mm. like, what should I do with my life? <laughs> Which is so, I mean, I laugh about it, but it's so healthy because we don't want our kids asking God why they're a mistake. We want them to say, hey, what do I do with all this? Help me, help me through this. Like, Imagine, imagine if the, the church asks itself that question, how do we harness yeah. this energy, this unique mm, the body of people that is that are a part of our congregation, they're part of, part of the body. The their Latter Day Saints, it's their church just as much as it is mine, ours. How can we? What? How can we harness this? What can? What are the possibilities here? I don't know the answers to that, but it's just a different place to point your mind versus yeah. oh, we got this problem, we got to solve it. It's like hold up, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe there's something here. Maybe ask about it. I know it, right? we've been Jenny and I say like you should ask. Like it's remarkable how many how few mothers ask. have asked the Lord. They're they're sort of where why it used to be. Mm-hmm. What's happened? How did this how did, what uh, you know instead of like okay, gay child, trans child, now what? What do I do? Uh, you know, here's the new game, you know, we got this switch in the game. What do I do? And and what do you what do you want me to do with this child who's of course part we believe is part that you we're all part of the Savior's right, family and there's divinity in him and so why I love that you brought this up because yep. you know we mainly deal with the parents and we know that this is the parents' journey where they're like something's gone wrong and then they get mm-hmm. through that grief and then they start partnering back with Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Parents and tr- get the inspiration and it always comes back to this child is amazing and you just love him. I mean, that's the answer every single time, just love and support. I have never met a parent who didn't get that answer when they did the work, Mm -hmm. but that was kind of the same with like, I never have realized like that is the same pattern that the Lord is doing with you, you know, for the LGBTQ saint where we, I mean, we have interviewed quite a few and every single one of them, like they get to a point where they get on their knees and they're praying like, Heavenly Father, how do you feel about me? And that is the game changer. Right. When they really have an understanding, like you said, of like, this, I'm not a mistake. Like, I am divine and like, he made me this way and this is part of who I am. That changes the game and changes their whole relationship with Heavenly Father in a way that they can move healthy again with God. Yeah. Imagine if uh, the uh, LGBTQ youth n- just right. never got the message that something was wrong. That's what we're working towards. If that was just planted there yeah. to begin with. <laughs> then you wouldn't have to like go through all of this torture for everybody, you know, it's so difficult for everybody. Well, and, and parents will lament that their children are coming out at 14 and 15. And I say that you are so lucky because your child, first of all, is coming mm-hmm. out to friends who will accept them. And there is very little. Yeah damage that they do to themselves in those like because because by nature our lgbtq children like suffer with this alone it's in their head it's in their mind and we all know that thoughts in our minds and in our heads do not do very well and they don't really they aren't really based in reality right because it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our head with our anxieties 
they're not having to, these families won't have to help the kids deal with the damage done to their, their own self and to like, right. These kids know who they are. Mm -hmm. And now it's time for Mm -hmm. older people, people who have come from a different school of thought who grew up thinking that this was something other than what it really is. They, they are coming at it in a way that is just, it's who they are and they're really at peace with it. They're, they're very much more at peace with it than, than they could have been like, and why it's years and in Mike's years. And we're just creating healthier children and who knows what potential will unlock with that. Right. Like all these, amazing unique kids right who have so much more to teach us than than we knew before and that need a place in the church they need a purpose they mm-hmm. need to feel like they belong like not I, this way but there's something to it it's, it's not just a a label you know oh yeah oh no we're not whole without you Wyatt or you Mike like honestly we aren't and then so until we get more understanding and we figure this out you know it's 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 our loss completely when we do not have all of our LGBTQ saints the talents and the beauty there um it's just another aspect of God's creations that um adds just add it's additive it just takes you know his love and his active his talents so yeah that's what we're praying for is to figure this out and do this in a better way and yeah. um you know we're we're making progress i mean that's you know, what allison and i whole focus on but um i think both of your stories are so beautiful because you have so much grace in them and you also like have a lot of hope you know and and in a in a lot of times where it could have been easy not well, to have I'm, hope or like mm-hmm. lose the focus of um like the love of god yeah and i think it's been good for me i mean dating mike uh, because we both came from that LDS background. I mean, I've, I've dated people that didn't grow up LDS. And as much as you try, I mean, how do you explain family home evening? How do you, how do you explain putting chairs mm-hmm. away? I mean, it's not that I can do it, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, state, state conference. Don't get me started on elders. Service, probably. Um, that you're not getting steak at the state conference, <laughs> but he just completely understood my background. And, uh, I think I understand stood his too. And it, it kind of, it, it took us to, I mean, we already had a level of relationship already when we met because we had all that shared background. And I mean, we both went on missions to Asia and we loved Asian culture. We loved our missions. Um, we both went to BYU. We just had this background because of the church. And uh, I mean, there's something to say. I mean, everyone we meet here on the East coast says, Oh, LDS people are the nicest people. I mean, I think in general they are. And um, it, it's sad to me that, that a lot of gay Mormons lose <laughs> sight of that because they're hurt and damaged. And I totally understand it. I've, I've been there, but I, I think we have been able to really take the good parts yeah. that we learned from the church and it's, it's helped our Definitely. relationship better. You're, you're both so geared towards family. The stories that you shared about your families, like, and not that that's an exclusively LDS thing, but that's something that we really focus on. And and what a great ad that you both have that. You both want to stay connected to family. You both, you know, I think that's driven you to really amazing experiences. And and probably they're still developing, especially why for you, because um, this is newer for your family. You your stories are healing they're 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 all about you're both of you are just so geared towards healing uh families and yourselves and it's just such a a great like loving way of looking at this because i know that it's and i don't want to speak for lgbtq people because i i can't and but just that idea of like you said mike there's no bitterness you don't have the bitterness that you might have had. Um, I think being able to see each other for, you know, in, in not terms of you were trying to hurt me, but in terms of this was super, you said like, this was so hard for my mom. I don't think I've ever heard anybody articulate that before in the hundreds of stories I've heard. 
that this was so hard for my mom. I mean, I think people feel that and don't, but don't say it, but that's. But how you were focusing on it, like how that, that how you were thinking, focusing that you showed up when you came out with so much grace and gave them time to heal without doing permanent damage to your relationship. So when they were ready, you were ready. Um, it just, it's, it's a great example for all of us. You have the same feelings about your parents, this love for them and um, grace for them as they are like experiencing this new thing that they hadn't studied at school or, you know, probably hadn't, you know, didn't have a lot of friends with gay kids that they were kind of getting good tips from or any of that. You've shown a lot of grace for your parents and they, I mean, it's an amazing story of of both sides trying to keep the family together in kind of a hard situation. Yeah. Like, thank you so much for letting us interview you because um, life is messy, right? Families are messy. Yeah. And we all are striving and trying to do um, the best we can. And you both gave such some beautiful insights and some patterns that I know I'm taking away from, and I know other moms and families will listen to this. And um, you know, you're both so brave and vulnerable. And then like, it's just, I feel better knowing you and hearing your story and seeing your love. It, it's a beautiful th- thing to witness how God has in both your stories. And I, like I told Mike and Mike, like, it's not over. Like, it's interesting what the Lord's doing here. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. They, and we didn't touch on this, but they both have really remarkable stories of being guided, being, um, being told by people, like, as we talked about in positions of authority just loving them there is a theme there that at least in my opinion in my life my experience i needed people in authority in the church to guide me on this journey i i couldn't have heard some of the messages just from somebody at school or a coworker or something like that i needed to hear it from somebody that i believed was a, a leader and um a mentor and uh, I think maybe some LDS people feel like this, that they need to get their information from other LDS people, whether it's the therapist or books or magazines, that it's important that those resources are within the LDS ecosystem versus going outside to a therapist and then, you know, being maybe not, I don't know, wondering if the if the information you're getting is good information. Um at least when I was LDS, it was important that my parents had taught me to seek information within the LDS community. So I was so, I'm so grateful looking back that there are people and there are resources that are super helpful. Yeah. And, and why you talked about a leader, I think we have that on record so that we can clip that in here, but how important that was for you to hear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think having someone that, I mean, you would just listen to, I mean, that was when I was going through some hard times. He just listened and said, you know, you're not going to hell. Wyatt. I mean, God loves you. Like, let's, let's get that out of your head. And, um, he was an authority figure in the church. Um, and uh, really, that, that really eased my mind. You know, I was going to tell you also that when I met Wyatt, I, I recognized instantly, I mean, after just kind of the initial excitement of meeting him, I was like, oh, this guy's on a journey. And um, yes, I'm very interested in a relationship with him, but part of that relationship is going to be, I'm part of that. I'm, I'm playing a piece in, in that journey. And it's, it's broad, it's big. And he's, he's been brought along by some incredible people, men, um, and uh, in a way, it almost felt like the baton was passed to me, not that our relationship is just so I can help him on his journey coming out. I mean, of course, I want to be there for him and help him that way. But I recognized that it was something bigger early on in our relationship. And that, yeah. And I, I do want to touch on that, too, because I know, like he said, oh, my gosh, I had so many people in my life to get me to where I'm at. I mean, the gay community in Salt Lake, I mean they get each other because we all went through the same things. And so I, I met some people, I mean, um, I have friends, Brian and Brett and just a few that really, I mean, uh, took me from step one to where I am at now. Actually, both of them messaged me, um, 
when the article came out, like, I'm so proud of you. Um, I never ever would have expected you to get here when I first met you, <laughs> when, when you're a closeted little Mormon boy at BYU. But I mean, they, um, they helped guide me. They helped kind of me, help me figure out who I was and what I wanted. And they kind of set a plan for me seeing a functional gay ex-Mormon, how that, what that looked like. And I mean, you, you can still love your family. And they, I, I really had a lot of good mo- role models, um, mentors. And I think that definitely was a big part of my life, um, getting me to where I'm at now. Me too. Absolutely. So you're both so lucky. Lucky. Absolutely. I wonder, I'm like, how do all these other kids, do they have mentors? Do people have somebody that like recognizes what's going on and goes, hey, I understand you. Let me talk to you. Let me, let me help you. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't think that. I just feel like so lucky that I had that and Wyatt had that. And I'm wondering, is that the, is that normal or not? I, you know, I think it's everything different, but I think we really have to have faith. Like the Lord put people in your lives and and put people, you know, everybody's important to him. And like, um, but I know um, there's so many good people in the church that are trying to be out making it better. And, you know, we really are working towards, you know, more lifting and loving. It really is. And so the more stories, like we tell of your stories, it helps us because it gives us better understanding and better of what to do and what not to do. And so thank you so much for coming on and sharing it and being vulnerable and teaching us because that's what well, I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's great. Um, God bless you too. I mean, I mean, the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing, it, it gives us a chance to even talk about it. But the, the fact that you two somehow have sensed your calling and not just thought about it, but are doing something about it is amazing. And thank you for, for that. It's got to be scary. It can't be easy. I'm sure it's nutty. Sometimes you don't even know what to do or what to say, but the fact that you're doing it is huge. Honestly, it's, um, it's such an honor with both of us. We're so humbled that it's an honor. It really is. It's it's hard. Like talking to you and you change us and you make us better. Like we're better because we get this platform and to be able to do it. So I wouldn't have it any other way for sure. Yeah. I'm not ever going to be the same after hearing both of your stories. Like, I, I mean, I just, I'll, I'll be following you for a long time just because what, what, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say about your story, Mike. <laughs> just never. And we didn't even tell all of it, but yeah, Mike's going to write a book for us one day. <laughs> so and the fact that you two were together and like Wyatt has this, I mean, there's nothing like a BYU contact, you know, you're where you are, BYU. It's, you're so placed. You're so obviously placed there for a reason. And all of the experiences that you've had, it's just so obvious. You know, I, I don't know if we're still on the podcast because this really is a podcast, but I wanted to tell you to just one thing that I just keeps popping into my mind while we're talking. And that is, uh, you're both mothers and, you know, there's something, there's a whole book that can be written, I think about gay sons and their mothers. There's a lot of mystery and magic and unknowns but there's abs- there's something to it we know this and um you know my mother <clears throat> she got to that point where she could you know she wanted to be part of me and i have to say i wanted from my mother if i could have asked my mother for something like what i really wanted from her is i there were times like the first time my heart broke with a man my instinct was to call my mom. I wanted my mom. I was heartbroken. I was bawling. I was, I lost my mind. I didn't realize it could feel like, I didn't know. I'd never dated. I'm a 20, at this point, I'm 29, dated the first guy and he broke my heart. And here I am like a fully grown, I felt like a kid, you know, and I wanted to call my mom. I wanted to call her and talk to her and hear her voice and just tell her, just cry, basically. I and felt that too, hundred percent. Uh, and and I couldn't. It, this at that time it was the time that two year silence. And I, over the years, I wanted to talk to her. My mom, my I'm your son. You're my mom. I want to talk to you. And yeah, a lot of it had to do with you know uh, maybe 
guys that I was dating, but my mom dated guys. I mean, she, she <laughs> knows she what it's like. Love. It's love. She understood it. I and say yeah. that to my son all the time. Like, look, I dated dudes. I get it. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's well, not a picture. She was in love. And she right. had her heart broken. And, you know, I, she, she, <laughs> but, you know, there's something about a mom that there's only a mom can do, you know? And yeah. I, we were never able to get there, but we ended up with a great uh, second prize. Uh, let's put it that way. And we got into this habit of talking every single day. Oh, I'd love um, that. Every day. It went on for four years. Oh, never- you must have grieved it so much when she passed. Yes. Mm. And even though, you know, it was mostly about well, recipes and what are you doing? How did you go to the blah, that blah, blah. Yeah, it was that connection. And I quickly accepted that over uh, just wanting to talk to her about how my heart was broken. That would have been nice, but the fact that we got that was everything to me. Oh, yeah. You know, it really was. And listen, um, gay or straight, any mom wants to talk to their son every day. The fact that you go and talk to your son or mother every day, never. That she'd be with her friends and you know, at lunch and she would dump them. She'd be like, oh, it's Mike. Bye. I and love I, it. It was really special for us, you know. You are amazing. You had the same feeling? Oh, for sure. I mean, when this article came out, the first thing I was going to do is just call my mom. Um, I remember when I took the job at Southern Virginia and I knew I was gay. And I knew that was going to be hard. I did call my mom and I just broke down. I'm like, what am I doing? She's So I, that, for me, for sure. Um you guys are you're doing a special thing. Yes. So with moms, if you can figure out how to be, you know, I don't know. It's so hard for a gay son to reach out to their mom, but we want it. We crave it. We need it. Honestly, and- that was, I knew I would, I did the enough work when I finally could ask my son. Okay. So tell me about who you're dating. Like yeah. that was, I remember as like the mom, like, oh, okay. Like I'm in a different place now, you know? And that, so oh my that God. is. And then that's the fun part too. Like with my sisters, now I have a couple of them that they can be like, oh, that guy's cute. And right. they're like, oh, like that's like, it's kind of stuff like that when you can like normalize it. And then, yes, right. yes. But it is a hurdle. And it's a hurdle we try to take moms through, but it is a hurdle. And you guys recognize that, you know? Yeah. Um, my mom didn't want to feel like she was being okay with being gay. You know what I mean? She didn't want to advocate it. Condone, condone it. Love the sin or hate the sin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, we got to get rid of that. We talk about that. But that's, yeah, that platitude doesn't serve anybody. <laughs> right. So what we want to know is what does it mean to you to lift yes. in love? So Wyatt. What does it mean to lift in love? What does um, that mean to you? What is? What do you think when you hear that? I think, I mean, I think it's making people around you better. Um, I think of my best friend at BYU, Kramer, who's as LDS as it gets. He's married to Wendy, who's an All-American volleyball player. When I came out to him, the first thing he said was, I'm so happy because now we can get it to be even closer. And I, I think of that as being such a Christ-like example of um, loving. Um, and it made me, uh, uh, when he said that, it lifted me. It lifted my spirits. Um, to know someone that I was so afraid to tell. And his reaction was, well, I've actually known for a while. I've just been waiting for you to tell me, but I'm really happy because now we can be better friends. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. We love him. Yes. (laughs) All right. Mike, what does it mean to you to lift and love? Oh gosh. I, it's gotta be something around this idea that I don't have to, understand everything. I don't have to figure things out. I don't have to agree with everything. And that is totally 100% a good thing. And get comfortable with that. Realize that everybody struggles. Life is hard in general. We don't need to make it harder. We need to make it easier. And the, the best way to do that between each other is to really listen, be understanding, compassionate, uh, don't don't get wrapped up in the details and the judgy and this is right that's wrong up and down that that's each of us can decide that for ourselves between us and God and uh, we don't need to get too wrapped up in that but we can't what we should get wrapped up into is loving each other period being positive drop the mic that's it <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so great I, so great. I really this I this didn't 
I, I should have known it wouldn't turn into a sports thing because <laughs> I don't have the vocabulary and my husband just barely got home from work. So he couldn't even help me. But um, the podcast won't be three hours, but we've been talking for three hours and they have been such gentlemen. Thank you for just listening to us. I know. It's I'm been just- really good. And it's been good for us. I mean, loves these things. I mean, I've learned about Mike, right? So it, it's been good to kind of be able to just talk about this sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, Wyatt said when I texted him, I was like, okay, let's do this. And he's like, well, my partner has a really good viewpoint. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Jenny and I got on right before and it was like, I don't even know where we're going with this, but you know, there's just some overlying, there's some overarching things when what you said was the, um, just the mom thing is beautiful. The authority thing is beautiful. And your compassion towards your parents is, and, and I hate to say this because I don't want to judge, but it's lacking today. And it, it was lacking with my brother. So if you, you've got to really both come to the middle or it's just never going to work. Yeah. And I don't want to criticize because I think so many people deserve to be as angry as they are. But if you want reconciliation, and it's, that's, in the middle. it's in the middle. I, you know, that, that damage that he was denied, he was mistreated, you know, and you want, totally. just want to feel like somebody recognizes that and says they're sorry and come to the table. Now, at the same time, realizing, hey, if this is even going to work, it's got to go both ways. And so you have to grow up. You have to, you have to live with some pain. Yeah. You do. And maybe it will get resolved over time, but it's part of, in my opinion, uh, it, it, uh, both sides have to like figure out how to give up what they've been holding on to for so long for a better future. You know, that is exactly right. That is All right. Let's say the so goodbye. Good. Okay. okay. You guys are amazing. Thank you for coming and thank, thank you for being with us today. Listeners. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did because it has edified us and we have felt the spirit and testified of so many troops here of the saviors. We love you. Goodbye. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you like what we share, subscribe to the lift and love podcast. And if you have a minute, leave us a five-star rating. So other families like yours can find us when your child comes out, you need to find support where you feel safe and understood. This is why we created the lift and love coaching community a place where parents can connect, learn, and grow in a private setting. Jenny is a certified, advanced-trained, faith-based life coach with almost 10,000 hours of coaching. Together, we have worked with hundreds of families just like yours. To see if the Lift and Love community is right for you, go to liftandlove.org and click on the community link. For more free information, support groups, and available resources, check out liftandlove.org and Lift and Love Org on Instagram and Facebook. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.